Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. I'm really happy to be talking with author Amy Zopp here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Amy, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here tonight. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. You have a new book out in stores right now titled Jake the Super Snake. Can you tell me about it? Yes. It is a children's book, an easy reader for anyone who loves snakes or wants to love snakes about a superhero snake. Wow, snakes. How'd you get the idea for it? So my son Jacob is 10 now, but a few years ago, he was a very reluctant reader. And the only thing I could get him to read were books about snakes. He was obsessed about the animal. So we got all of the nonfiction that we could find, and he basically memorized any fact books he could find. But he would never read fiction because the snake was always the bad guy. And he would say, Mom, snakes are awesome. They should not be the bad guy in the book. And so one day we were on vacation visiting my parents in Florida, and I just sketched out a series of adventures for Jake the Super Snake, and he loved them. And then we decided to try to publish them. So here we are. Wonderful. Do you plan on this being a sort of a series and publish more? It is actually a series. The second one is almost finished. We're working on the cover design right now, and Jake the Super Snake is going to go to school in the next one and show off his a different superpower there. So it'll be fun. That's wonderful. Well, speaking of the cover, you know, the illustrations and everything are really important in children's books. It's just about as important as the words themselves. So what's that process like for you? So my illustrations were not for public consumption. So I was very lucky to find Christian Faith Publishing who helped hook me up with an illustrator that did the really colorful, fun illustrations that are more attractive for the public eyes. But it was really fun working through the text with them and and coming up with designs. And my kids actually had some input too. So it was fun. Was this a long process for you, both writing it, illustrating it, and then getting it through the publishing process? So writing it, I literally did in a couple of days while I was with my family at the beach. But then the publishing and illustrating part, I would say, took about a year or so Hmm. before we were happy with it. And when that day came, it came in the mail, that first physical copy of it, Amy. What was that moment like for you? We were all really excited. We took a picture of my Jake with Jake the Super Snake and... (laughs) It was just really fun to see it in print, and I'm happy to have it to hand down to my kids, and they can show it to their kids someday. Amy, have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing a book or being published? Not really. I taught English, so I've always, you know, loved books, Mm. and I write a little bit for my dad. He does sort of like daily devotionals for his company, Mm. but not this scale where we're putting it out there for the world to see. So this has been the first experience like that. I'm sure you learned a lot along the way. Amy, do you have any advice that you could give to authors who are just about to embark on this journey as well? I would say just do something that is fun for you and that you enjoy and believe in and then go from there and worry about the rest sort of as it comes. 
Well, like we said, a lot of time and hard work goes into this kind of thing, Amy. So for you, what's the most rewarding aspect of now being a published author? I really love just reading the stories with my kids, honestly. I, I am a homeschooling mom, and we spend a lot of time with books in our lap and reading both fiction and nonfiction. So it's just been fun to have a book on our shelf that mommy wrote, and they know the other stories as well. So it's been really fun for them to watch it come to life. Mm. Amy, do you ever get hard up for ideas? Do you ever get writer's block or something like that? And then how do you get those ideas coming again? For Jake the Super Snake, surprisingly, it came very easily, I think because I had memorized all the fact books with my son, so I knew all of the fun things that this snake could do. But like I said, this is the first that I've ever tried to do, and I haven't tried to write anything else. So we'll see. We'll see if I do the writer's block thing or not. I think a lot of children, a lot of families are going to love this book. It's titled Jake the Super Snake. It's written by Amy Zopp and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can grab this everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Amy, it's been great talking with you here tonight. Thanks again for joining me here on the show. Thank you very much. I love just picking up and going on a nice, long road trip from time to time. And this book really strikes a chord with me. It's Road Tripper's Guide to the United States, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota, Volume 1. This is written by Madison Gabrielle, and she's sitting right here with me now to talk all about it. Madison, thank you for being here with me tonight. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, it's great you have this book out in stores now. Can you tell me about it? So it's pretty much your go-to guide for roadside attractions across the country. Volume 1 is out now. I'm hoping to get 2 and 3 done before July. I mention entrance fees, hours of operation. I give you detailed directions from the largest major cities so that you don't get lost out there. I know from adventuring myself that your phone doesn't always work. Mm. It could break. It could die. You could lose service. So the directions will really help you get there, you know, in case those things do occur. Mm. Madison, what kind of readers did you have in mind when you were writing this? Pretty much anyone that likes adventure. I love traveling, and I would love to inspire others to go out and go somewhere they never thought they'd ever go. Hmm. So how did this book come about? How did you get the idea and decide you need to write and publish it? So I really enjoyed adventuring, and kind of sad story. My friend passed away in Canada while I was living in California. Hmm. So I adventured to the Canadian border to rescue his dog. On the way, I started mapping out little cool places to see. Like in Vermont, I saw the world's tallest filing cabinet. Oh, wow. uh, I saw a Viking tower down in Newport, Rhode Island, and hmm. I started noticing there's some really cool stuff to see out there. And I thought, why not make it a guide for other people to use so that they can, you know, adventure there as well. I love it. How long did this take you to write out and then get ready for publishing? Two years of traveling. So I was living in Washington State, so I drove through all the states included. It took me about two years, and then a year and a half of publication. Madison, before Road Tripper's Guide, have you ever written or published? I've written novels before, you know, not finishing them. And I don't know, I just felt like I should try to publish again, and it worked. So here I am today. And how did it feel when you finally got that first hard copy and you got to hold it in your hands for the first time? Bewilderment? I don't know. It was almost surreal that it was actually in my hands. Mm -hmm. When I first sent off the manuscript, I went to the printing place in Washington, paid $19 to print it out just in paper. And holding it then, you know, was crazy, but actually seeing it, the finished product was just short of amazing, I have to say. That's great. 
A lot of people listening right now are authors who are just starting out. They want to publish their first work, too. So, Madison, what words of wisdom do you have now that you could offer them? Just do it. You've put so much effort and so much work and time into whatever you're writing. I feel like it would be a shame not to share it with other people. Don't procrastinate. Just send it in. You never know what could happen. Madison, it sounds like you're finding so many cool, undiscovered places out there that it would be hard to run out of ideas for things. But do you ever run into writer's block or where you just can't figure out what words to put down? Definitely. The first volume was pretty easy. Washington and Oregon have a lot of places, but then you get to places, you know, North Dakota. There's not much going there. So sometimes I got stuck and had to realize I had to, you know, dig a little deeper to find places so that I didn't have just one or two pages of North Dakota. And I think I ended up with 15 pages with three, you know, locations a page. Wow. Like you said, a lot of time and hard work goes into writing and publishing a book. So Madison, what's the most rewarding aspect for you now of being a published author? inspiring others. You know, if I can get people to get out of your house and go somewhere and experience the places that I've experienced, you know, I've met so many people and seen so many cool things. And I think that's what's most important is getting other people out there so that they can enjoy it as well. Mm -hmm. What are the chances you might venture out into fiction again and publish some fiction in the future? Absolutely. I have a few stories and it's just putting it down on paper. You know, this book was a little easier than coming up with a, you know, a whole storyline, but I definitely would love to finish one of those and get them out there. I know a lot of people are going to love this book and ought to check it out. The title is Road Tripper's Guide to the United States, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota, Volume 1. This is written by Madison Gabrielle and it's published by Fulton Books. You can grab this one up everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Madison, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me about your book. I had a great time talking tonight. You as well. Thank you so much. God's Blessings. It's a new, biblically-inspired children's book out in stores now. It's written by Stephen Spencer. I'm really happy that Stephen is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable to tell me all about it. Stephen, thanks for joining me. Oh, of course. It's good to be here. That's great. This book is out in stores now. Just wanted to congratulate you for that. Can you tell me about it? Yeah. So it's, this is my first book, a children's book geared towards young believers that are looking to have a nice bedtime story and read along with their family. And it takes them through the ironic blessing, which is common in Old Testament and New Testament scriptures. It helps children learn a key piece of God's blessing for his people as they get ready to go to sleep at night. Hmm. How are you inspired to write this, Stephen? You know, I've always had a, a very strong relationship with God growing up. I was raised in a Christian household that loved and honored God. And we read this series of scripture often at night. And what I wanted to do is kind of make the scripture come alive and make it geared towards young children by adding some illustrations to go along with it. And the illustrator, Vanessa Ross, who did a fantastic job with the illustrations in this book, really ties in each portion of the blessing that God gives to his people in a way that, that helps them really make the, the book come alive. You mentioned the beautiful illustrations that were done by Vanessa. Can you tell me how that process came about? 
Oh yeah. So Vanessa and I, we actually met virtually in the midst of the of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I was actually seeing some of the illustrations she was doing for her congregation. And I saw some thumbnails and I reached out to the Messianic rabbi that was overseeing this congregation and connected with her. We got to talking and we talked about the vision that I wanted to show through the book. And she was able to really make some great illustrations that helped bring each page, each part of the blessing to light. Was God's blessing something that took you a long time to write and get illustrated and then put through the publishing process? You know, I have the vision in my mind of what it should look like. And of course, you know, with the illustrations, it, it, that's always a process when it comes to making sure that each and every piece is exactly the way it needs to be for the readers that are going to be enjoying this book. But the process, it went rather smoothly. It, it took only a few months to get taken care of, and then we reached out to Covenant Publishing and went from there. And there's nothing like getting that finished product in. What was that moment like for you, Stephen, when you got that first hard copy in? Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, being able to look at the book and make sure that all the, the pages are looking right and the words are, are spelled correctly and, and every illustration is the way it should be. Beyond that, just knowing that this is going to be something that blesses other families for years upon years to come, maybe something that they can pass on even to their own children. That was, was truly the blessing for me on my end, thinking about the impact that it will have on other families. What are the chances then we'll be seeing more from you in the future? Oh, very great. I'm, I'm already in the, in the works of, of my next project and hmm. looking forward to dishing that out soon. But for now, I, I'm just very excited to be sharing God's Blessing children's book with other families right now. But yes, there's definitely more to come. Fantastic. I'm sure you learned an awful lot along the way of publishing your first book, Stephen. So what advice can you give to authors who are just about to do the same thing? I would just say that for publishing, it's definitely a process and, and you need to respect the process. It takes time to make sure that the project is done right. And it is important to make sure that it's done right because this is going to be something that is on the bookshelves of other families for years and years to come. And so I would just say just attention to detail is key, but also beyond that, thinking about your audience, thinking about you know those that will be reading this book, can they connect with the words on the pages? especially for young readers, is it something that, you know, as they're learning to read, can they follow along with the words of the pages as well and eventually read it and pick it up for themselves and make it one of their first reading endeavors? And so that was something that I wanted to do. It's something that not only kids can enjoy, but the families, the parents, brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, grandmas, grandpas can enjoy too. It's a way to connect people with our God through Scripture. I know a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this book. It's titled God's Blessing. It's written by Stephen Spencer, and it's published by Covenant Books. Of course, you can grab this one up everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. So, Stephen, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me about God's Blessing. I really enjoyed our time. Thank you, sir. Author Donna Belgrove has written a new book that aims to encourage readers to remain steadfast and unmovable in their faith in God. The book is titled, I'm Still Standing, and Donna is talking with me now all about it. Welcome to the show, Donna. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. Can you tell me all about I'm Still Standing? What can readers expect? I'm Still Standing, uh, first of all, is an inspirational book with 
the intention to educate, to empower, to inspire, to encourage the wounded and the battered. So they're both in the body of Christ as well as out of the body of Christ. And this book is a statement or, or rather a testament to the power of God with emphasis on thankfulness and determination. And there is a powerful message of hope that readers will find strength during their valleys of life or their storms of life. This book contains some testimonies where I myself have encountered many challenges myself as a believer in Christ. I spoke about some of this in the book with some near-death experiences by a spiritual wickedness. Ephesians 6.12 says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. Mm. So I have encountered some of these things, and I understand that no, when you go through these things, no, N-O does not take us to our final destination, but it means the next opportunity. And so I did not give up. I remain standing solid on the Word of God in spite of what I've been through. Doors were slammed in my face. Fear, I've encountered fear. But, you know, God has said that He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So that sound mind there kept me focused, you know, mm. and I am so grateful to God for all that he's done. And the book also tells us that there is hope, hope for the wounded, hope for anyone who has encountered some kind of difficulty, no matter what you've been through, the situation that you may have encountered, when it seemed that you, you know, sometimes you have felt as if you were pushed under a bus or you are between a rock and a hard place, mm. you must understand that you can stand. We must understand that, that we can stand with God on our side, <laughs> with God in the ship. <laughs> Donna, what sparked you or inspired you to write this book? My situation I have encountered inspired me. My children inspired me, some struggles that I've been through. And I said, you know what? I want to be a great help to someone else mm. to help them and to take them through a place and to help them to understand that the God that we serve, he's well able to do, as the word rightly says, to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ever ask. And that was my greatest inspiration, really, in writing this book. Mm. Was it a book that took you a long time to write and then put through the publishing process? I started the book a few years ago, and then I put it down. Mm. You know, I put it down, really. And as I encountered my struggles, I began to write again. And then it was prophesied over my life that I should pick up the book that I have started writing. And I was like, how could this person, how could this prophet know that I was writing this book? You know, and I, I procrastinated, but with the help of God, I was able to write this book and to bring it where it is today. Hmm. I think a lot of people are going to be helped out and encouraged by Donna's book. It's titled, I'm Still Standing. It's written, of course, by Donna Belgrove, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. 
Well, Donna, it's been wonderful talking with you today. Thanks again for joining me here on the show. Thanks for having me again, and have a blessed day. Thank you. I do appreciate every moment. Joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Dora Imus. Dora, thank you for being here tonight. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. There's a new book you've written, and it's out in stores right now. The title is My Name is Daniel. This is part of the Our Values series. So, Dora, can you tell me about this? My book is actually for children and for parents. This book about a family of cats. Why I'm saying for parents and for children, because it's for children, they can learn from the book about using polite and kind words. Mm. How important is to be kind with, in a family, with parents and grandparents. And why for, why for parents? Because they will see the easiest way how to teach their children about respect and family relationships. I think it's very important. Absolutely is important. So how did you get the idea for using the story of the cats to teach children? <laughs> I thought that this is easiest way for children to get these messages through the cats. <laughs> My book is very nice, illustrated, and it's nice to hold it and to have in a family. Absolutely. Have you ever done anything like this before, or is this the first time you've written and published? It's my first time. Oh, congratulations. Was this something that took you a long time to do then? Actually, yes. It took one year. It's a long process. Of course, I would like that it would be faster, but I'm very happy that it's published, and my goal is now that this book will get the children and to the families and the parents can read the books to the children. Dora, when you finally got the first physical copy of My Name is Daniel in, and you got to hold it in your hands and look at it for the first time, what was that moment like? I was very happy. It's like my child. I spent a lot of time, energy, money to get my book, and I had my thought to send this message to be kind and polite in a family to the children, and so I was able to do this. And it's done. I'm happy about this. Well, this is in the Our Values series, so I'd assume you have more books planned out. So looking ahead, what are your plans? You know, I have one more, uh, more book. It's in process of publishing and also four more books. But I would like to tell if I can what the reason why I started to write this book. So I was working many years in downtown of Chicago, and I saw many young children outside, they on the street. It was very painful. And I thought, how can I help? Yes, in this situation. Mm. I mean, I made my career. My children, they are already adults. So I decided to spend my time, energy, and it costs actually a lot of money. I want to send the message to young children and the parents how to raise children in the right way. So I started with the way to write books. Dora, a lot of our listeners right now are authors who are just starting out. So do you have any advice that you could offer them? Yes, I think that it's good to work very hard 
and to send some information what is useful for the people. And I'm sure if you will send good information, positive, what will be useful for other people and your goals, and you will be happy by holding in your hands your published book, yes. Well, I think a lot of children, parents, grandparents, and more are really going to be encouraged and helped by this book. The title is My Name is Daniel. It's part of the Our Values series, and it's written by Dora Imus. You can find this everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and this is published by Fulton Books. Well, Dora, it's been wonderful chatting with you here tonight at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thanks again for joining me. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time, and it's the best in our life to have joy from the children. You cannot buy it for any money. You just get it for hard work, for our hard work. So thank you so much. I'll admit I have a real soft spot for animals, especially man's best friend. So I'm excited to talk about this next book. It's called A Daily Dose of Joy. The author is Cass Mance, and she's right here with me now to talk about it. Cass, thank you so much for joining me here tonight. Absolutely. My pleasure. It's my pleasure to be speaking with you. Can you tell me about A Daily Dose of Joy and what readers can expect here? Yes. It's a true story, and it's about a dog that was surrendered to rescue. She came in with a very badly deformed right foot and leg, and so she had to have an amputation of, her, of that joint. And she became one of the many dogs that are known and are described as tripods. And that's a word that describes an animal that has lost one of its limbs, either through a birth defect or an amputation, and then they only have three left, therefore tripod. It was important to me because I worked rescue for years, and I wanted to make a book that would encourage and be support to people who are going through health issues and especially issues regarding major surgeries. So my book is really about an appreciation for the volunteers in rescue because they work so hard and so are so dedicated, and also providing an option plan for a family who can't keep their pet any longer for various reasons and letting them know that it's okay to surrender it to a rescue. And then also, my personal experience with having had two dogs who became tripods at completely different ages in their lives provided me with the insight to offer support, suggestions, and encouragement to others facing health issues with their own pets. The book isn't just about Joy being a tripod. It's about the whole journey we took with her with other health issues that she had as well. It's really a short book. It's got lots of pictures. And it's an upbeat, true story filled with the, what we experience as the enrichments of our golden retriever, Joy, and how she brought so much love and, and so much success in her journey. And we just share the challenges with her. Mm, sounds so wonderful. Cass, can you go back and think about when you got the idea, the inspiration to sit down, write this book, and publish it? Sure. Because, like I said, I worked rescue and I was for years and I was doing a daily dose of joy reports or emails to the people in rescue that were walking the journey with us. Hmm. So I kind of made a journal of all these reports that I had written to them. After a few years, I decided, hey, this might be a great book. So I kind of just started putting it together. And I will admit it took me probably about two or three years to really sit down and complete the book. Hmm. 
I'm getting, I'm just so pleased because I've had such wonderful experience with people that have read it and comments coming through to me and the reviews that are on the Amazon and Barnes and Noble websites. It's just so encouraging. And of course, now they want to know when the next book is going to come out. (laughs) (laughs) That was my next question. When is your next one coming out? I think we're going to wait a long while for that. <laughs> I figure I must. I, I started this book when I was probably seventy-five or seventy-six years old, and it's a lot to take on. I have a husband that's a stroke survivor, so I'm a sole caregiver for him. It was just a way of me being able to stay home with him and write the book and yet be where I needed to be and, and devoting my time to what I needed devoted to. And Cass, I can only imagine that moment when you got the first hard copy of A Daily Dose of Joy in and you got to hold it in your hands, you got to look at it for the first time. What was that moment like for you? Didn't you hear me scream and yell and jump? (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised if you didn't because it took about a year to get it published. And I feel so strongly that I went to the right publisher because Covenant is fantastic to work with. Mm. And I just really had all my questions and concerns addressed and it turned out perfect. It just turned out perfect. And, and, it, and it was quite an experience when it arrived in the mail, believe me. And I also said to myself, Cass, you really did this. <laughs> well, this sure sounds like a wonderful book. I think a lot of people are going to love it. It's called A Daily Dose of Joy. It's written by Cass Mance, and it's published by Covenant Books. Of course, you can snatch this one up everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and down the street at your local bookshop. Cass, thank you again for joining me here at the Reader House Author Roundtable and telling me all about joy and all about your work. I hope we can talk again sometime. I hope so, too, Corey. It's been my pleasure, and I encourage anybody who is wondering about the book to even go into the websites of the places you mentioned because they do allow you to have an introduction, read the introduction, and look through a few of the pictures. It's a great way to go, and you've got a book inside of you. You just need to get it written. Author Stephanie Arrington has written an encouraging new book. It's out in stores right now. The title is Process for Purpose, Volume 1, and Stephanie is joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable to talk all about it. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Yes, you're welcome. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have you here. Can you tell me all about Process for Purpose? Well, Processes for Purpose is really about my personal account of deliverance when I allowed the Holy Spirit to do a work in me. Hmm. And in my book, I express what was and still is required of me to walk in the path that God has purposed for me. I also emphasize that in order to reach your God-given destiny, you have to go through a process. And I truly believe that this process will bring about a drastic change in your life and the life that you were designed to live, and your purpose in your life. Stephanie, how are you inspired to write this? What gave you the idea to write out your story and tell it to the world? Well, because I am a minister and I am in ministry, and it was part of the call that I have on my life, what inspired me was my life experiences and knowing that I have seen a lot of people experiencing similar things that I have experienced. And I believe that, you know, I wrote this book because I want to help others understand their process and also have an impact on other people's lives as well. Hmm. Were there specific readers that you were reaching out to with this? Well, basically it's for all readers, but being that my focus in ministry is women, 
and women who are hurting from whether it's childhood hurts, past traumas, any type of things they have went through and be able to minister to them to bring healing in their lives. And through my experiences, I believe my experience will speak to others that have went through similar experiences as I have. Stephanie, was this a book that took you a long time to write and put through the publishing process? Yes. Funny you ask that because my book was written years. The manuscript was written but was not published until maybe five years later. Hmm. And when you finally got that first copy then in your hands after all that time, Stephanie, what was that moment like for you? I could breathe. And it was a sense of fulfillment because Mm. I finally finished it because it was a struggle because reliving past experiences, it seemed like you're going through those experiences again. Mm. Have you ever written or published a book before this, Stephanie, or is this your first one? No, it's not. Well, this was my first book that I did a manuscript on. My first book that I published was self-published. And I was encouraged to publish it by my literary agent years ago with Christian Faith Publishers. It was just a pamphlet that I created through my research that I would give to people. I only gave two people in my lifetime, the Talit, the Frere Shawl. So I created like a booklet to go along with it. And it's called Talit, Prayer Shawl. It's about prayer, faith, and the power. And this book addresses what is a Talit? What does it represent? Who wore the tallit? And why was one worn? And why did the woman with the issue of blood touch Jesus's garment? And in this book, I give the readers a deeper understanding of what the tallit is and the symbolic meaning of the garment worn in the Old and New Testament, and even how it is used in present-day cultures and ministries as well today. A lot of people who are listening right now, Stephanie, are authors who are just starting out. They haven't been published yet, but they want to be. So what advice could you give them? I would tell those listening, just write. If you're called to write and there's a book in you that needs to be birthed out, just write. And I truly believe that God will lead you and guide you on what to write and that it will impact someone's life, especially if you have a story. Tell your experience, because believe me, it will impact the lives of others. I think a lot of readers are going to be helped and encouraged by this book. The title is Process for Purpose, Volume 1. It's written by Stephanie Arrington, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can grab this one up everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Stephanie, it's been great talking with you here tonight. Thanks again for joining me on the show. And thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate and I'm grateful and honored. This is the story of two very special twins. It's titled The Little Yellow House at the End of the Road. The book's written by Daniel E. David, and Daniel's right here with me now to chat all about it. Daniel, thanks for being here. It's good to be here. It's great you have this book out in stores right now, The Little Yellow House at the End of the Road. Can you tell me about this? Well, there's so much to the book, it's hard to break it down. <laughs> but I can tell you it's a story of two children, Alexandra Ibuki Andropopoulos and Daniel Jordan Doberstein, who, after having been raised as twins, were separated, except for fun weekends, at the age of three. Fifteen months later, at the tender age of four, 
with their mothers with no warning are faced with the challenge of running a thriving international business on their own. The children are completely separated, which unfortunately leads to complete and unforeseen estrangement of the two. Five years later, a phone call from halfway around the world changes everything, and Alex and Danny find out they're going to have to share a bed together. Neither of the two remember the other. Selfish attitudes prevail. Their first encounter in five years takes a decidedly nasty turn. A truce is worked out, and a rocky friendship restarted. Fate has decreed that they are to spend seven days together. They will have seven days in which to rekindle the bond that had previously united them. The bond purposely broken five years earlier and now forgotten. That's basically the whole idea behind the book, is that these two kids are going to get together again, and neither of them are aware of the other. they just forgotten. When Alex broke the bond, it was a past disappeared for both of them. There's a lot of backstory after this, and then the seven days that the children spend together is, <laughs> is just a chaotic time that kids have. Doing this, the things that kids do. And it's kind of interesting. I'm 84 years old. I came up in a time when we did outrageous things. You know, mm -hmm. we just had a really great time going through high school and everything. And now it's like people are practically prisoners in the city, almost locked up. Well, they're locked up with COVID. <laughs> mm -hmm. But people need to read this to see what kids actually are like. What kinds of readers do you think would really be into it? I think mothers who have raised children would really get a kick out of the book. Hmm. It's written such that from junior high on up, young adults, whatever, but anybody could read the thing. Hmm. It's written in simple, you know, English, no big words. If there are big words, I took the time to explain them. Anybody could read it. Is this the first time you've written or published a book? Well, it's the first time I've published a book, mm. but I do like writing. I've been writing some stuff on COVID and just a lot of stuff. I do a lot of reading. When it comes to this book, the story about the twins, the storyline that you're weaving here, where'd you get that idea? I started the book like 20 years ago. And at the time, Vladimir Nabokov was always in the news. And everybody was talking about how well Vladimir Nabokov wrote. And I read his book, Lolita. Well, I didn't like it. <laughs> Lolita, I guess, took him eight years to write, from what I recall now. But when I read that, I said to myself, geez, Dan, you could write a better story about kids than that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had all of these story scenarios breaking into my head. And I started writing them down, eventually ended up with a book 20 years later. When you got the first copy of The Little Yellow House at the End of the Road, the hard copy, you got to hold it in your hands, what was that moment like for you? It was pretty neat. I could instantly tell that the book was well made physically. Mm. It was just a nice feeling of having completed the thing and knowing that it's there. I don't trust computers that much. <laughs> <laughs> so having a solid book was really quite an experience for me. Mm. I think this is a book a lot of people are going to really love. It's titled The Little Yellow House at the End of the Road. It's written by Daniel E. David, and it's published by Fulton Books. Grab this anywhere at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Daniel, thank you again for joining me tonight, telling me all about your book. I hope we can do this again. Well, of course, it would be kind of neat, yeah. I enjoyed it immensely here, and I hope everybody enjoys the book as much as I did. I read it all the time. <laughs>
The Scissors Ketchup Man. I love the name of this book. It's the new one out right now by Sandra A. Holmes, and I'm speaking with Sandra right now. Sandra, thank you so much for joining me here at the Raider House Author Roundtable. Oh, thank you for inviting me to come. It's great to have you. I love the title of this book. Like I said, it raises so many questions in my mind. Can you tell me what it's about? It's about a little girl. Her name is Rose, and she's six. And it takes place during the first week of school as a first grader. The story is basically about problem solving and learning to ask for help and recognizing that even a very small act of kindness can make a very big difference in your life. So here's this little girl who loves ketchup. I truly mean loves ketchup. (laughs) Rose is accustomed to eating at home. So she always has had her own package of ketchup, you know, a little dish or whatever. She remembers that from the year before when she went into the cafeteria, they had large ketchup bottles and it was no biggie. You just squirted it on everything and away you go. But this year, the school has changed and they now have ketchup packets. Not a big deal. She's used to packets. So Rose goes on over, covers her tray in packets because (laughs) packets don't have very much ketchup, and attempts to find the little clipped part where you pull, and she can't find it. (laughs) And then as she's watching the second grade table and this one girl who's having difficulty just like she is, she sees this wave come up from the second grade table. All the kids have their hands up, and she's wondering, what is going on? Well, this older gentleman comes into the lunchroom, and the kids are chattering at him, and she thinks, boy, they must know each other really well, and all of the kids are talking to him. He must be their friend. And then she watches as he pulls out a little Ziploc bag with safety scissors, and he snips open the top of Mm -hmm. each and every ketchup package. He's the scissors ketchup man. Mm And he is a volunteer who comes in on days when there's meals, when there's going to be ketchup for the first and second grade table. There's all kinds of things that are true to childhood and what happens. And she makes up songs about ketchup and I mean, just little things, you know, that are true to life for, for a six-year-old. Mm. How long did this take you to write and then put through the publishing process, Sandra? The story actually started, I'm going to say in my head, back in the 1990s. I was a National Science Teacher Association trained content reviewer, and I was assigned to a Kentucky school district. And one of the questions that I was responsible for was to identify people that the children would turn to for help. And the most frequent answer that we got from the first and second graders was the scissors ketchup man. Hmm. We asked the principal, who's the scissors ketchup man? And said, I have no clue. We asked the teachers. They had no clue. We asked the janitor, because oftentimes janitors are right up there with the little kids. Mm. Nope. Finally, we sat down in the cafeteria and had lunch at the same time that the first and second graders were. And the scissors ketchup man walked in. Mm. And the kids (laughs) greeted him as the scissors ketchup man. Presto, we had our answer. This gentleman was the person that the kids knew they could ask a question, and he would answer it as truthfully as he knew. And if he didn't, he would say, oh, you need to ask so-and-so. And I thought that would make a cool story. So over the next 30 years, I've written this story 100 times in my head. 
And then, like I said, my one granddaughter loved ketchup. And until she was four, pretty much you couldn't get her to eat anything unless it had ketchup on it. (laughs) And for the name Rose, all of my granddaughters have the middle name Rose in honor of my mother-in-law. Her middle name was Rose. And two of my favorite university students married, and their first daughter is named Rose. Her birthday is one day before mine. So I decided that Rose would be a great name. There's a lot of different unique cultures in our family tree. Mm. And Rose was a name that could reflect all of that. Mm. Sandra, have you given thought to writing a follow-up maybe to this or writing another kind of book? Actually, I have a second book that's been accepted for publication. Wonderful. It's called Two Licks and the Magic Couch. I love it. And I know a lot of children and families are going to love The Scissors Ketchup Man. It's written by Sandra A. Holmes, and it's published by Newman Springs Publishing. Of course, you can pick it up everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Sandra, thank you so much for stopping by the show and telling me all about The Scissors Ketchup Man. I hope you can stop by again and tell me about the next one. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Corey. It was very nice being here today. Thank you. Sitting down with me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Gerald Inman. Gerald, thank you for being here with me tonight. Hey, thank you for calling. I'm so excited to tell Reader House Author Roundtable about my third book, Forest Prayer. Indeed, the name is Forest Prayer. It's out there in stores right now. So can you tell me what it's about, Gerald? Yeah, Forest Prayer is about a little boy growing up and older while looking for the Lord. Jerry is a protagonist. He's not necessarily Gerald. And he's also infatuated with the woods and the wildlife. Thus, the title of the book, Forest Prayer. To tell you just a little bit, he starts out with two mentors that I like to call his main most characters. And one is his grandfather, who's a Baptist preacher. The other is his great uncle, his grandfather's brother. And he's a logger that the blue boy goes to work for. And he pres- he's an agnostic, so he presents the other side of life. So Jerry's hearing it from both sides. When they die off, Jerry continues to struggle to trying to escape the worldly perspectives on everything during Vietnam and forest school and work with the Forest Service all over the country. But he comes up with a good Christian wife. He becomes his soulmate. And what kinds of readers did you have in mind when you were writing this? Who would you say is your target audience here? Thanks for asking that question. Whether people are safe centers or just folks I wish to become my Christian sibling, Forest Prayer will be entertaining and educational for all of them, I think. Since I wrote it as a Christian ministry, I hope it reaches anybody who needs to learn the good news of the gospel. You know, I, I took to heart the uh, good book's direction not to take anything away from the Word or add anything to it. Hmm. But I, by incorporating my experiences for se- over my 76 years of, of awesome life, I've twisted and tweaked many of my own experiences into being more interesting, more humorous, more dramatic, more horrible than they really were, sort of to make a parable, you know, like the Bible has a nice sort of parable. So in my unique genre of faction, it's, it's going to be a fun read for anybody. Hmm. And there's nothing like seeing that finished product, you know, after that time and hard work that you put into writing a book. Gerald, what was that moment like for you when you got the first copy and got to hold Forest Prayer in your hands for the first time? Oh, well. The first one, let me go back to the first one. The first one made me, I thought I was a big shot when I got it in my hand. But then I realized mm-hmm. without marketing, nobody knew who I was. But for this third one, Forest Prayer, I recall the way it hit home, how much I hated marketing. And I, you know, I like things like this interview and I love giving readings, but 
seriously, if, if you want a bullet statement, I'll put forest prayer up against anybody's book. Hey, if you'll let me prove that to you, I offer right now to give you a one-page reading from forest prayer. Are you getting? Absolutely. All right. Here's the beginning of one of the chapters, about halfway through the book of forest prayer, and the name of it is Forestry School. It's when Jerry's just old enough now to go off to forestry school. Trying to rationalize my usual kind of thinking, it stood to my reasoning that God might just want some of us to become bivocational foresters and wildlife biologists. After all, he did arrange that first unforgettable encounter in Eden to have the first man on earth deal with an apple tree and a serpent, not to mention a woman. Nevertheless, I'm sure I should have known myself well enough not to be frolicking very far from the forest school back 40. I could have been fulfilled out there searching for some kind of Jacob's Ladder tree to climb. But, oh, no, I decided to give the old Satan snake some slack instead of a good slaying at my first opportunity. It encouraged me to follow others. I should have remembered Romans where it says not to copy the behavior of customs of the world, but to let God transform us by changing the way we think. If anybody there had really known me, they'd have known the fraternity scene wasn't going to be my thing. But surely this one was going to be different from those. After all, it was at least an agriculture and forestry fraternity. So I let old Lucifer's minions talk me into checking it out. Little did any of us realize my first and last one-time encounter with such a social line experience such as this affair was going to produce such a classic joke. Much less flourish into full-fledged forestry folklore. You see, our assignments of blind dates for the evening would come by way of withdrawing the common names of trees from a hard hat, determining who'd be randomly matched with who from nearby Mississippi State College women. The young ladies would draw those trees' corresponding scientific names from another hard hat. It all sounded like a great plan to me at first. While the scientific names were Latin-like, no one was expecting the girls' pronunciation something to be very good. To find their dates, they would just call them out as best they could. Bless their little hearts. When my name came, I drew pitch pine from my hard hat. And with the scientific name of Pinus Regatta, I guess I should have known my date would be running around the room inquiring, who's got the penis rigid? I think a lot of my listeners are going to want to check out this book. The title is Forest Prayer. It's written by Gerald Inman and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere. Grab it on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Gerald, thank you again for joining me here today, telling me all about Forest Prayer and all your other work. I really enjoyed our time. Well, thank you. I did, too. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.